Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week we're talking about Parashat Bechukotai. This is the parasha that we will read in Israel uh, this week. It is the parasha that concludes uh, Sefer Vayikra, and... And what's uh, noticeable about uh, this parasha, it's really divided into two parts. The first part uh, is a brit. It's a covenant that Hashem makes with B'nai Israel at uh, Sinai. Uh, it seems to be the culmination of the brit uh, that Hashem starts making with B'nai Israel after the reconciliation that follows Chet HaEgel, the sin of the golden calf. And this uh, covenant, uh, this Brit, uh, draws some very, very clear lines about what will be the consequences of fulfilling the will of Hashem and the converse. People usually refer to this section as the Tochacha, uh, the admonitions. Uh, here, Hashem is uh, admonishing B'nai Israel. Be careful to observe the mitzvot, to fulfill the will of Hashem in the land of Israel, uh, which is uh, the ideal place, if I may say, uh, for the brit uh, to, to take place. Uh, and uh, be careful about uh, about violating, because if you do, there are going to be some very severe negative kind of, uh, consequences. So, the Brit begins with a description of uh, what will be the consequences of, uh, of obedience to the mitzvot, uh, the blessings. And the, the blessings that the Torah talks about uh, include uh, fruitfulness in the land, right? you'll have enough food, you'll have surplus, there will be peace in the land, security from within and from without, the people will be fruitful, the, the population will increase, and then there will be even increased produce uh, in the land. I suppose that also means that you'll be able to do uh, business with other countries. And uh, Hashem promises that His divine presence, the Shekhinah, will dwell in the land, uh, will be present in the land, among the nation of Israel, in the land of Israel, and uh, you will never feel an estrangement uh, from from Hashem. That, those are the consequences of obedience. Uh, it's uh, a brief uh, 10, 11 psukim, and yet it really seems to cover uh, the full gamut of the brachot that uh, uh, that Hashem can bestow on, uh, on the people. It's interesting, it's often pointed out, <coughs> that uh, the brachot starts with the leather... Uh, Aleph and ends with the letter Tav. So from beginning to end, Hashem will uh, will bless. But then the Torah talks about what are the consequences of disobedience, uh, often referred to as the curses, uh, if you don't listen. And here the Torah talks uh, in some frightening detail about what uh, what can occur. Uh, and the the curses, the punishment, uh, takes uh, a number of a uh, number of forms. Uh, if we were to look at them in a in a, in a thorough sense, uh, we see that the Torah promises uh, or threatens, warns 
that there will be disease. The Torah goes into some detail about the possible diseases that uh, the people will suffer. Uh, and then uh, this will be followed by famine. Uh, and then wild beasts will uh, roam and control the land. Uh, eventually there will be sword, meaning attack, uh, war, and uh, the culmination of this will be destruction and exile. The point that the Torah makes time and time again is that each one of these phases is meant as a warning. Uh, when, if, if, we, if we understand the terrible things that are happening as punishment and we realize that we have an opportunity to change our ways, uh, then the punishment will not continue. But if we are stubborn and we don't uh, take the message, then the punishment becomes more and more severe, starting with disease and ending with uh, destruction and uh, and exile. However, at the very, very end of this uh, section, and this is a much longer section, at least in terms of uh, number of tsukim, column inches, uh, their awards are uh, of consolation. Because uh, even when you will be in the land of your enemies, you will have been uh, exiled, you should remember that Hashem will not completely uh, reject you. Uh, He will not uh, completely cut all of his ties with you. Uh, There is a covenant that I made, a covenant that goes back uh, to the time of the patriarchs, goes back to the time that it took you out of Egypt. uh, I am your I am your God, and that I will remain so, and, uh, and therefore uh, this uh, this punishment, this exile, uh, will not be permanent. The possibility exists uh, for uh, for return. But in the meanwhile, reading these psukim are uh, is rather frightening, and uh, should kind of shake us up. The custom is that the Balkore when he reads these psukim uh, rather lowers his voice uh, because it's uh, kind of hard to take. He, of course, he has to still be audible, but he lowers his voice as if to indicate uh, this is very difficult to, to take. Uh, and so the Torah concludes this section by saying that these are the laws uh, that Hashem uh, gave to B'nai Israel on Har Sinai um, through the hand of, uh, of Moshe. And this would seem to conclude uh, this section, certainly the section of the uh, of the admonitions. However, the Torah has one more chapter uh, after this. Uh, this is a section of uh, mitzvot that uh, are, are appended to Sefer Vayikra, uh, and uh, the theme that runs through this chapter is gifts to the sanctuary, gifts that are given to the uh, to the Mikdash. Uh, it's entirely possible that putting this section after is uh, is to indicate uh, that while these are mitzvot and it's important to observe them, uh, but uh, they're not absolutely uh, essential to the to the Brit. The Brit is made uh, with Amis, between Hashem and Am Yisrael uh, by complying with the mitzvot and not by uh, giving additional Gifts again. There are parameters for how this is done, and it's, uh, the gifts are accepted. Um, but uh, don't think that the gifts are are 
what makes the covenant. What makes the covenant, what makes the brit, is uh, complying with the mitzvot that have been uh, delineated up until this point. So what if someone wants to give a gift to the mikdash, wants to sanctify uh, something or someone uh, to the mikdash? So the Torah talks about uh, a number of uh, possibilities. One uh, is the valuation of persons. In other words, a person uh, decides to donate uh, by sanctification uh, to the mikdash uh, the monetary value of a person, maybe himself, maybe someone else, and so the Torah gives a uh, table for uh, how much each person or each type of person might be worth. This is what's called an erech, the value. Then the Torah goes on to say that when uh, something is designated as a sacrifice, if an animal, for example, is designated as a sacrifice, so it is not permissible to uh, exchange that uh, sacrifice or that animal uh, that was de- designated as sacrifice for another animal, uh, even if the other animal is of a great, better quality or higher value, um, and if one tries to do so, uh, then the uh, then it doesn't work. Uh, the original sacrifice retains its kedusha, and the ex- the as it were exchanged animal uh, obtains a certain kedusha. As well, so uh, this is one of those instances where the Torah says, "Don't do something," and if you do it, it doesn't uh, it doesn't take uh, the way you wanted it to. Uh, then the Torah goes on to talk about other kinds of donations, uh, donations uh, that are given to the sanctuary for the upkeep of the sanctuary, uh, for maintenance. Uh, the Torah says that it's the responsibility of the Kohen uh, to evaluate. Uh, what something is uh, worth, and uh, it is required in the redemption process uh, to add uh, what the Torah calls one-fifth. But, uh, as we said before, because this concept of one-fifth has has come up earlier, uh, one-fifth doesn't mean one-fifth of the principle. It means that quantity which, when added to the principle, becomes a fifth of the total, in other words, one-fourth of the principle. Um, so if, for example, uh, the thing is evaluated as uh, being worth, let's say, $100, uh, then uh, you add uh, $25 to that, and then the total is 125 What you added, 25 is one-fifth of the total. The Torah also talks about the redemption of houses and fields, uh, in order to donate the value to the to the mikdash, the Torah here also reminds us uh, that the firstborn uh, of an animal uh, may not be uh, sanctified for this purpose. It has its own inherent sanctity. The Torah also talks about chiren, uh when a person places a ban uh, on on something uh, and how to deal with that. The uh, the, the value is uh, is given to the to the mikdash. Uh, banning a, a property that is banned, and also a person. But the Chazal explained that we're talking about a, a person who was condemned uh, to execution and uh, wants uh, to donate the value of that soon-to-be-executed person. Uh, so it says you can't do that uh, because a person who is condemned to be executed uh, is essentially 
are worth nothing, and therefore it should not be done. The Torah concludes by talking about Maaser, uh, the second Maaser. Uh, Maaser Sheni, as it's called. Maaser Sheni uh, is, is uh, brought to Yerushalayim uh, and uh, and eaten there. And then finally, the Torah talks about the Maaser of animals. Uh, when uh, when the animals are born, one particular year, uh, you count them one at a time by having them go through the through the uh, opening in the pen, and the tenth one is marked for uh, Maaser. And uh, once again, the Torah uh, talks about Dealing, uh, donating what needs to be donated for uh, holy purposes. And then the Torah concludes by saying, these are the mitzvot that uh, Hashem commanded Moshe uh, on Har Sinai. Uh, the Ramban, by the way, says that this is primarily referring to the uh, the time that Hashem is giving Moshe the second set of luchot. It's a renewal uh, of the covenant because, after all, the uh, first covenant was... Uh, was violated by the sin of the golden calf, and Moshe uh, broke the tablets. Now let's take a, a closer examination of uh, a theme that we have in the Tochacha uh, during the, the admonition. Uh, a word that repeats itself quite a bit uh, in the Tochacha is the word keri, spelled kufresh yud, and time and time again, uh, the Torah says that if you uh, walk with me bekeri, then I will walk with you bekeri. Uh, it's interesting that there are many different translations uh, in the uh, out there as to how to translate this word. Um, I included one, but there are many others. Uh, here's a translation that I found. And if you remain hostile toward me, so, Keri is, is translated here as hostile. And you refuse to obey me, then I will go on smiting you sevenfold for your sins. And uh, between uh, Pasuk Kafalef, that's 21, and uh, Pasuk uh, Kaf, uh, Pasuk uh, Mem, Uh, that's Mem Aleph, actually. Uh, the word keri, in one form or another, is repeated quite a number of times. Uh, it's said in Kaf Aleph once, said in Kaf Gimel once, that's two, Kaf Dalet, that's three, Kaf Zayin, that's four, Kaf Chet, it says Bahamat keri, in the, the fury of keri, in uh, Pasuk Mem, 6, and in Mem Aleph, Bekeri. So seven times this word is repeated, uh, seven times, uh, and it seems to be a significant word. Uh, as I said, the translation uh, that I've included in the outline uh, uses the word hostile. If you remain hostile to me, then I will be hostile to you. Uh, but uh, our Mephorshim uh, have a big discussion about how to understand this word Keri. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, include uh, what Rashi uh, says on this uh, on this word. He starts off by saying that our rabbi said uh, that this word uh, refu- refers to uh, irregularly or by chance. In other words, he uh, 
they uh, connect this word bikeri to the word mikre, uh, kuf resh hei, which means chance, uh, without planning, uh, something that only happens occasionally. In other words, uh, it, it, just to put it in the context of these psukim, if you observe the mitzvot, but only in an irregular fashion, uh, haphazardly, uh, without a, a firm commitment, then, just by to extrapolate from that, then that means that Hashem will relate to us that way as well, leave us to, to chance, um, perhaps leaving us to the, uh, the forces of nature uh, as Hashem has created them without any intervention. Uh, Rashi uh, continues uh, by quoting an earlier uh, grammarian, Menachem Ibn Saruk of the 10th century, and uh, he says that this word uh, has to do with refraining, um, and he cites a few psukim, um, and he says also that this translation is very close to the translation of Unculus, because Unculus, the translation of the Torah into Aramaic, uh, understands it as a term of stubbornness. Uh, in other words, if you uh, relate to Hashem with stubbornness, uh, not uh, not being willing to go along with everything that Hashem says, but you stubbornly uh, stick to your to your own ways. Hashem will be uh, stubborn towards you. So we see a wide variety of understandings of this word. Uh, this word carry. Uh, the important thing to to keep in mind is that uh, the, the Torah is communicating to us uh, the the way that we ought to uh, relate to Hashem. It was the opposite of this. Um, if the word uh, keri means by chance, then the way we should be relating to Hashem is not by chance, but through uh, thoughtfulness, uh, mindfulness, as people like to say, uh, being aware of what Hashem wants and being responsive to what Hashem wants. Uh, and certainly if the word means uh, stubbornness, uh, so the opposite is the right way to, observe, to relate to Hashem, uh, not with stubbornness, but uh, placing oneself at uh, under the will of Hashem. Uh, that is the right way to uh, relate to Hashem, and indeed that's the right way to uh, anticipate all of the brachot, all the blessings that Hashem promises in the beginning of Parashat Bechukotai, which we find at the end of Sefer Vayikra. I thank you all very much for joining me for this exploration of Parashat Bechukotai. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parashah Highlights and Insights, saying Shalom.